where else would you rather be than right here, right now? For Bills fans. By Bills fans. Only Buffalo is going to win it. This is the Buffalo Bills Draft House Podcast with Brad the Bruiser Icorn and Alex Jones. This place is pandemonium. Here's Brad the Bruiser Icorn. Welcome back for another edition of the Buffalo Bills Draft House Podcast. Brad the Bruiser Icorn, Alex Jones here, our postseason uh, evaluation, and we uh, look ahead to upcoming free agency and the draft around the corner. So, Alex, how do you feel about the season? I, I know we're probably both very sour about the way things ended, 13 seconds, but I don't know. It was an okay season. It was a weird season across the NFL for a lot of teams. There were a lot of upsets throughout the year. I don't know. I thought it was a good year overall. Yeah, I thought it was an odd year too, Brad. Like, that's the perfect way I would describe it as an, an odd year. Uh, I think that the the Bills had certainly their ups and downs and not the way we wanted it to end. However, um, you know, it is it's one of those things that it is what it is. You know, I think that the team's going to come back mentally stronger and tougher. And as we've kind of seen – as things go along, every single time the Bills face some sort of big obstacle adversity, they come back with an answer for it. You know, oh, we can't beat the Chiefs in the regular season. Well, we did. <laughs> you know, we did. We came in that game. Oh, well, we, the Patriots are back. Well, we beat them by a billion in the playoffs. So it, it's one of those things where, you know, everybody has – I think it's going to give the uh, the Bills more data and things like that. And it's not the way anybody wanted it to end. Watching the Super Bowl, it felt like the Bills would have had a very good shot against the, the Rams. But yeah. it is what it is, Brad, and we can only control the things we can control. Yep. Watching the entire Super Bowl thinking Buffalo could have won this game. The Bills could have won this freaking game. So, yep, 100%. Yeah. And my dad said uh, someone was giving a hard time. My dad lives in a retirement community. He's playing pickleball. And this guy was a Chiefs fan. And he was saying, hey, you know, we had it harder. We lost in overtime. And my dad was like, whatever. You had a chance to score a touchdown. And he threw an interception. Who cares? Yeah. Exactly. Well, Good season overall. I thought Josh played really strong, especially down the stretch, especially in both playoff games. It was lights out. He has 15 touchdowns and only one interception in six playoff games. And it's funny to think that he's played six playoff games because we played so little playoff games, especially during that 17-year drought. Yeah. I, it, it is, Brad. It's one of those things where, you know, it, the the recent success of the Bills makes um, almost makes the fan base kind of forget about all those years of mediocrity. And it's it really is one of those things where um, it, it just is. It's another it's another lump, but I think it's a lump on a step to something rather than just you know. Oh, we're getting our heart ripped out again by not being able to beat the JV Steelers, or oh, 
Stevie Johnson can't make the catch in overtime. It, it, it's it's another just another uh, step in a, a first step in a thousand step journey. You know. Yep, agreed. And uh, the the, uh, the sky for this team is very high here, and we'll we'll have to see as we uh, go around positions here. So you know, quarterback, you know, outstanding. I give Josh an A for the year. Uh, you know, we didn't see much of Mitchell Trubisky. I would expect him to be gone this year. I've heard the possibility, or pe- not a possibility, fans throwing around that, hey, you know, they should get Fitzpatrick. I had a very discount. That's the only way I would be able to stomach uh, Buffalo bringing Fitzpatrick back as a backup. Yeah, I mean, I don't hate it. I, I think, though, you kind of, I think the, I think Brandon Bean has unlocked a little bit of a cheat code where essentially he can bring these quarterbacks in who may be on the edge of a starting job or, you know, maybe falling out of favor a little bit, bring them in, rehab their image, and then just farm them for third round comp picks because the bills aren't, it's just a, just a, a fact of life the bills aren't going to be able to spend in free agency like we saw in 2017 or like we saw with Rex Ryan's first year or even during the Mario, uh, Mario Williams years. You're not going to be able to do that. So, you know, you're not going to be spending in free agency. You can basically do what Belichick did for a hundred years in new England, which is grab these guys right at the tail end who have still promising upsides, but don't, but don't, but are, uh, available cheap bring them in rehab their image one year later you let them go sign a crazy stupid deal in free agency and then you just rake in third and fourth and fifth round picks like no tomorrow yep well we'll see uh what they do at quarterback uh just as a backup going forward do they draft someone late curious we'll see Uh, i think there's greater needs for them in the draft so, I don't, yeah, I agree. So, going to running back, how do you grade the running backs this year, Alex? I thought Devin Singletary became um, uh, pretty good towards the end, and I think Zach Moss may be on his way out of Buffalo. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked I, I, if he doesn't come back next year. I wouldn't be shocked at all. Um, Basically, if the Giants offer us a late round pick to bring him over, because that's sort of what Bobby Johnson, who's the new O-line coach, mm-hmm. former O-line coach of the Bills, wants from his running backs. And I could expect, you know, I wouldn't expect, I could expect, you know, the Giants or somebody else who wanted to take him in the draft, offering us some sort of draft capital to move him onto their squad. It's also going to be interesting, Brad, with the cap the way it is. There's people with a lot of cap space, with a little cap space. I think you're going to see a ton of trades this year. How about wide receiver? How do you grade that at this point? I mean, pretty solid core here, obviously. Stephon Diggs, uh, pro bowler, whatever that means. Uh, But, you know, solid season for him this year. Uh, You know, we saw Cole Beasley contribute. Really a big push down the stretch. From Gabe Davis, I mean, it's hard not to say A for this receiving core. Emmanuel Sanders, I of completely, course. I mean, I completely agree, Brad. Uh, I think 
I, I think you could be missing one or two. I know Emmanuel Sanders, it sounds like he's leaning towards retirement. Um, and I don't know. There, There's a strong possibility that Cole Beasley is not with this squad next year. So it'll be interesting to see if... Um, My if concern is McKenzie. Yeah, I, I'm going to be honest, Brad. I don't know... I think there are better options available. And so I think you you give brand what I I always affectionately call it the Shaq Lawson rule, where it's like, hey, listen, you played very well for us. We would like to have you on our team, but we aren't going to set the market for you. So go out and you've earned the right to go test your free agency. Like go go see if the Texans will give you $10 million for over three years. Realistic possibility they could do that, right? Like, that is a realistic thing where it's like, you know what? This team's crazy enough to do it. Like, they're just crazy enough to do it. And so um, I think you got to let them test the market, but also come back and check with us. Like, hey, you guys said uh, two years, $5 million per year, and um, – you guys are offering, and you guys are offering, uh, these guys are offering two for, three for seven. Okay, let's do three, four, six, and some ascertainable goals. And I think that's one of those things where you gotta, you know, kind of check back in with a team. Isaiah McKenzie, I think, is a good fit for this team. But I, I just, I don't know truly what the possibilities are for, um, for this squad, for the total, um, you know, for like, what's the cap of these guys? What's the cap? What's the top thing for this wide receiving core? Is it worth the money or is it worth it to invest in some of these, um, you know, really good draft talent? Because there's a lot of good, there's a lot of good um, draft talent out there that you can go after this year for slot. Yeah. We'll have to see. Um, free agency around the corner. Looking forward to it. Offensive line. I don't know. Felt like a mixed bag that really picked it up down the stretch. Where do you grade them? Um, I, I think that the, you kind of, it's it's a, I think, okay. I think you got to grade it individually. I think Dawson Knox, uh, or sorry, not Dawson Knox. What am I thinking? I think Deion, Deion Dawkins, Dawkins is a tale is a tale of two halves, right? Yeah. Deion Dawkins is um, the dude is is really somebody who co- like COVID clearly affected him. He was in best shape of his life, got COVID, was in the hospital, and didn't look like the same guy, right? Um, I think in the second half of the season, though, once he got his legs underneath him, oh my goodness, was he was he a weapon in that new England game at down the stretch? He was a very, very good tackle and playing up to the level we expect out of him Um, guard. I Ryan Bates. And I think I Bucker was a little, was a little below replacement. I think he's somebody you could look at replacing, but also bring him. If you bring him back, he's not, he's like the perfect backup guard. You know, he's not a guy you want to take at a ton of the reps, but if you have this guy, basically, being your backup to help out with any situation where you need somebody in a pinch, that's not a bad guy to have. Um, center Mitch Morse, 
had one of his the best years of his career. Legitimately one of the best years of his career. And I think the hiring of Aaron Cromer as the offensive line yeah, coach back. will do nothing will do nothing but improve his game. And I could even I think you'll see the Bills extend um Mitch Morse over the offseason. Right guard Daryl Williams, Cody Ford, and John Feliciano. Um Feliciano wasn't didn't play down the stretch, and I think that kind of tells you it could be the COVID issue where he was, um, you know, he's a little under under gas or whatever. Um, but I really do think that um, he may be one. I think they'll probably hold on to him till next year. He did lose, he did drop some weight, and with this scheme that Cromer and Dorsey are going to cook up, probably makes sense to bring him back and have him in some role. Um, Cody Ford, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Aaron Cromer has gotten Aaron Cromer made John Miller look like a starting guard. Hmm. So, yeah, I, I mean, you can probably John say the Miller. same specs, expect something similar from Cody, you know, something from Cody Ford. Um, and Daryl Williams looks like a good right guard, but I don't know if his money's worth it. You know what I mean, I don't know for a right guard of his play was, I would give him maybe a C. He was good at times, but he was bad at times. You he know, wasn't he was as good time. as he was last year, at least. Yeah. He was a beast true. last year. And Spencer Brown at right tackle, really up down year. At times he looked dominant, other times he just looked lost. And I think that comes with, honestly, with him being a rookie. I'd agree. It makes and so I, I think it's one of those things where um I, I think the as a whole you can't really grade the offensive line just because Ryan Bates looked very promising. He had a run in the playoffs. Um and I think you could probably see a couple draft picks or free agents come in there um this year. We will have to see free agency around the corner. How about on the defensive line, some decisions to be made? Harrison Phillips, Jerry Hughes, how do you grade the line? Do you see some of these guys coming back? I would love to see Harrison Phillips back, but I think he kind of earned the same right Isaiah McKenzie did, which is, hey, go see what your market is. If there's some team that's willing to throw 10 to $12 million at you, we can't say no to that. But if it's, let's say, three years, six million per, come back and talk to us. We can sweeten the deal and make it effective. Um, Jerry Hughes and Mario F.A. Obata, too. And F.A. Obata. I'd love to see F.A. Obata back. Probably bring him back on a similar contract. Um, Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison. I, I would like to see probably one of them back. Jerry Hughes is still a... He is one of the most divisive defensive ends because advanced analytics people love him because he does create pressure. And as much as you can say, as much as the, we'll say armchair quarterbacks don't say that like, oh, well, pressures don't bring the quarterback down. Yeah, but they do influence them. They do cause turnovers. They cause bad decisions. They cause incompletions. So I'm not with you there. He's also one of the, he's also the leader amongst this very young core of defensive ends and there's really not a older person in that room so I could easily see them talking to Jerry Hughes but again Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison both earned the I don't know go check what your 
go check what your price range is because there could be a team that's willing to throw dumb money at them. That's what you see in free agency a lot from good defenses. It's like, we think we can get something out of this guy. All right. How about at linebacker? Um, do you see AJ Klein coming back? Um, I think he, I think he's under contract for another season. I, but I could see them cutting him to save some cap. I, I don't disagree. Um, he might be one. I think he, they picked the can on him a little bit. Um, but I could see you're right, Brad. I, I mean, just like wrong, he's not somebody, necessary anymore. I, I I I don't think they need him. I don't think they need him either, especially with Saran Neal coming back and playing more of that big nickel. Yeah. Um, and part of his thing being, um, like, hey, I, um, like, oh, I need, you know, oh, I want more of a defensive role, which makes sense. Um, if 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 it's me and I'm just an armchair GM, I'd ask him to take a pay cut. Yeah, I don't even think you can do that, Brad. Because like, the, I guess you'd cut him and then re-sign him. But even then, it's like, eh, I could or- just get a. Do the McBee method convert someone to a bonus cap room save? Yeah, yeah, but then you got to kick that can down the road a little bit further, right? Like the whole idea of converting things into a bonus is you're normally adding years and things like that. Um, so I just, I, I think I agree, Brad. I think cut him and then offer him if nobody, like basically cut him and be like, listen, if nobody offers you or they're giving you low money, we'd be willing to match whatever they do. Sure. They do. There you go. Um, and then, and then, um, overall, how would you grade them? Cause I, I can't think of anyone else we're losing. No, I mean, obviously um, not Milano or not Edmonds. No, uh, they also have Andre Smith under contract. They have yep. Tyrell Dotson under contract. Um, Medikevich, uh, even Joe, though he's mainly special teams. Yeah. Medikevich and... Joe Foster Giles. Mm-hmm. Uh, awesome. Um, so I think it's one of those things where um, it would make sense to um, it would make sense to cut him, get some more money, throw some more money in the till. Some contracts you can kick down the road like Trey White, Deion Dawkins. Um, so I, I think there's some places you can make money. I, I would love, out of those, the one I would love to see back the most is Harris Phillips. Really felt like he came on at the end of last season. And um, just really put together a good stretch there towards the end. In the secondary right now, I think the biggest pending free agent to me would be Levi Wallace. Even if you don't intend to keep him as your number two corner, do you think they try to bring him back and maybe a team-friendly deal? Um, I don't know. The thing is, Brad, so it's one of those tough things, right? The Levi Wallace, I think Levi Wallace are in the same right as I am today, McKenzie, where it's like, you can go test the market. And if somebody's going to give you dumb money, which I know I'm saying a lot, but it's the truth. This is what good teams do. It's just the truth behind good teams. If you are a good team, you're going to. We saw New England um, do a lot and then saw those players. Come back, right? Yeah. Um, uh, I what's hate his name? Not Ruben the Bills Brown. to New England, um, by the way. I know. It's it's gross. But Bill Belichick is maybe one of the greatest 
roster creators in the NFL history. You know, just understanding the concept of rules and everything like that, he is one of the best at it, where he was just like, I am unwilling to... Like, I'm going to bend every rule to my whim, and I'm going to make everything work for me. And guess what? It makes sense why you do that. That makes sense that you try to do that. So I think Levi Walsh earned the same right, where it's like, you know, I he get to basically say, hey, you know what? I think I'm worth more than that. And everybody gets to go, yeah, you're probably right, but we got to, you know, we got to ask anyways. So I think there's a lot of young cornerback talent in this draft. There's also few floating around in trade slash free agency. James Bradbury might be there to have. Um, you could do some things with his contract to make the money a little less hard for that. Um, and he'd be a he would be a legit All Pro corner next to Tre'Davious White. So I think you there are things you can do to um to fill that need even if levi wallace isn't there but again it's a gamble brad because you're waiting on so many other moving parts right you're seeing hey do we pass this trade through i think it might be one of those things where it's like if we don't already have one in hand then we'll try to resign him special teams I I think they'd be content right now with Marquez Stevenson. We'll see what happens with McKenzie. Um, but really, my question is Matt Hawk. The, in my opinion, the Matt see Hawk ya. experiment was abysmal. I miss Bojo. Well, I'll, I'll tell you this. Bojo was a fantastic bun, hunter. Terrible at special teams, though. Fantastically horrible special teams. Horrible. Horrible holder. holder. Yeah, he was bad. Historically bad. And they wanted to see, and guess what? Tyler Bass still kicked the crap out of the ball. So I think you go in this year's draft and you take your favorite. I like Ariza the best out of San Diego State. True. Um, Also the punter from Penn State. Another one I really like. Ariza plays, if anybody doesn't know, I've talked about him before he hit a like 90 yard bomb this year like legit field changing goal line to goal line stuff wow so uh, if you can have that kind of power in bill stadium where it's like nobody hits bombs like that and he's like i hit bombs like that so i i think it's one of those things you you really you really need to think about that this year it's a matt hawk I mean, you could also just wait until the draft and or until you pick up somebody better. But mm, Matt Hawk is bye-bye-bye. Yeah, terrible, awful, and probably over. All right, yes. we're going to go ahead and uh, we'll take a break because on the other side, we're going to sit down with Bill's super fan, uh, Ken Pintoron Johnson. They're coming up right here on the Buffalo Bills Draft House Podcast. When you went car shopping, you meant business. 
You ace vehicle history searches and test drives. You out salesmen to the salesman. Now you've got your wheels. If you manage that, you can get your retirement plan on track. Visiting aceyourretirement.org can help. With 401k tips and smart saving strategies, you'll have the info you need to get more for your future. Go to aceyourretirement.org because when it comes to speeding past financial challenges, you're an ace. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. This is the Buffalo Bills Draft House Podcast with Brad the Bruiser Icor and Alex Jones. Welcome back to the Buffalo Bills Draft House Podcast. I'm Brad the Bruiser Icorn. He's Alex Jones. We now welcome in longtime and notorious Buffalo Bills fan. Ken Pintoron Johnson. So without further ado, let's just get right into questions. Right. What did you think of this season as a whole? And if you could give it sort of either a letter grade or a 4.0 scale grade, how would you grade this season? I probably graded it at 3.5. There was a lot of expectation coming into the season, but it uh, looked like it was a more brutal schedule than the previous season. So I was hoping we'd get just as far. Uh, of course, we ended up in the same spot, losing to Kansas City. But yeah. uh, I think that the continuity we've developed with the team is I think we're just going to go straight into next year and start dominating. I agree, Ron. It, it seemed like, you know, the team sort of the the core young guys sort of started to mesh with Knox, Singletary really showing out, Gabriel Davis coming on at the end of the season. It seemed like that young core group is really starting to meld together. Yeah, especially Singletary. Uh, You know, historically in the past, a running back has always said that they have to have a lot of carries before they get into a groove. And the latest, last 10 or 15 years, running backs have been going by committee and no running back can get into a groove. And as soon as they started exclusively using Singletary within reason, he started started performing exactly like all running backs said they will. Keep giving me the ball and I'm going to start performing better. We're joined on the line by Bills superfan Ken Pintoron Johnson here on the Buffalo Bills Draft House podcast. Talking about the defense, I mean, they meshed together, I think, the entire year. But, uh, you know, how did you feel, uh, you know, just NFL honor-wise, you know, we had some all pros, but not one pro bowler on just a lights-out defense this year who I think played strong until, I would say, probably that last game of the season. They didn't actually play too bad in the last game of the season, just the last 13 seconds, actually. This is true. <laughs> and uh, I was just as perplexed as everyone else because the Bills typically this year to run a nearly nine-man front the entire time. Uh, usually they only have two guys backed off a little bit. And they were even doing that late in the game at Kansas City until those last two plays. You were there in Kansas City, I believe. I think I, I remember, I think, watching TV and pointing you out there. Um what was it like there walking away after such an exhilarating game, being there, being amongst the fans, and just the heartbreak at the end? Oh, yeah, that was a heartbreak. There's there's nothing worse than being in a sea of red with everyone doing the tomahawk chop, and you're just sitting there dejected in life. <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, by the way, that picture, it was not me. Uh, a dozen people told me about that. I finally had somebody send me a picture. And, uh, it was I guess, not. Uh, I guess if you have a beard and glasses, uh, you know, we all look alike. <laughs> I was actually in the upper deck about two rows from the top 
that dude was in the end zone. Yeah, all right. Let's go. Okay, so I was mistaken by your doppelganger then. Got it. Everybody was mistaken by that. <laughs> so, you know, you won 423 games in a row, uh, home, away. How hard was it for you, or were you almost at the point that you were getting offered tickets or, you know, in certain spots just because of how long you had been going to Bills games for? Yeah, for sure. After that was uh, 27 years into it, uh, I was getting a lot of perks. People were offering me a lot of stuff, uh, you know, places to stay, tickets, like you said. I generally turned them down uh, because, uh, you know, if you start taking people up on stuff like that, you're kind of obligated to hang with them the whole weekend. And True. I tend not to like that, so I just <laughs> go off on my own. We're joined on the line by Bills superfan Ken Pinto-Ron Johnson here on the Buffalo Bills Draft House Podcast. How, how was it for you? You know, after, you know, uh, you know, that long streak ended here, Ken, being back in the stadium on a weekly basis, being able to go to road games in the stadiums, how was that for you after having practically the entire year off there in 2020? Well, I, I did travel a bit in 2020. I went to five games, um, and uh, I was uh, traveling around uh, the Northeast going to Bill's Backers groups, uh, you know, watching them in their home bar. It was only later in the season that I started to have to watch them at home on account of the fact that there were so many night games that, that uh, no bars were open after 10 o'clock in the Northeast. But, you know, when this season rolled around this year, and it, it, it was just like getting back on the bicycle. It, it was like nothing, went, nothing happened. It, it was back in the groove. We're joined on the line by Bills superfan Ken Pinto-Ron Johnson here on the Buffalo Bills Draft House Podcast. If you could choose any three players not – from the Super Bowl era or uh, anybody involved with a white Bronco to be on this current Bills team, who would you choose? A white Bronco. I wonder who you were talking about when you said that. Hmm. Well, first of all, right off the bat, I got O.J. Simpson. Uh, I know that uh, he's been a bit, a bit infamous since 1992, <laughs> I think, but he was the best running back I've ever seen. Uh, not in the current Super Bowl teams. I can think of quarterback now. I was kind of going back and forth. Ferguson was actually a good quarterback. Uh, Kemp was a good quarterback, too. Wow, I'm going to have to think about this. It's going to keep me awake all night. <laughs> I was going to say, as a Bills fan, you know, for the longest time, you think like, oh, Kemp, um, Ferguson, bring those guys on this team, and we've got a squad. And now with Josh Allen, it's like, well, any of the quarterbacks, which were always the easy answer, like, well, we don't need them. <laughs> That's, you know, it is right. the nice thing about this current squad is like, well, quarterback's not the issue. Right. Yeah, and a lot of those quarterbacks from the past, I don't think it'd work out in today's era. Is there anyone from the drought era that you would have taken to be on this team that's obviously not around there, i.e. Jerry Hughes, but anyone maybe earlier in that drought area, uh, maybe right after the Music City Miracle up to maybe even like 2010 Chan Kaylee that you, you would put on this Bills roster right now? Well, Kyle Williams, for sure. He was all through the drought. I don't know if he's uh, oh, sure. qualifying. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, probably and Ruben and Brown, Kyle too. Williams together Ruben Brown scary. went to like nine Pro Bowls in a row. Yes. A, uh, a very forgotten offensive lineman when it comes to Hall of Fame voters because um, I heard him on One Bills Live a while ago where he was talking about um, Tony Vaselli, who had less All-Pros and less All-Stars, but because he was the first pick of the Jaguars, he was getting more Hall of Fame votes. And he's like, why not me? Like, I have I have the credentials for it. He won a Super Bowl with Chicago, I believe. He did, why yeah. Not? Why not? 
his problem was that in his first year or two, he used to have a ton of holding penalties, and he got a reputation for holding. He even changed his number uh, by a second or third year to try to keep the officials not finding him so easily. But later in the season, later in the year, he dominated. I remember one time I was sitting next to somebody who was like, you know, criticizing, criticizing him. So I said, just watch the dude for like a quarter. At the end of a quarter, he looked at me and said, this guy is freight training everyone, just pancake everyone. Why does that? Why is everyone getting on him? But the, the, the years of those holding penalties was a stigma he couldn't get rid of. Bills superfan Ken Johnson, our guest on the Buffalo Bills Draft House podcast. So question here, you know, we know where the Pinto comes from. You know, you've been using your old Pinto and, you know, cooking off of that uh, for for years with your tailgates there. Where does the Ron come from in the Pinto Ron nickname here, Ken? That, uh, it came from a character called Joe Kahn, the commissioner of tailgating. He was a guy who would go around to uh, all tailgates, every, you know, all cities every year and rate tailgates. And he did that for like 20 years. So he wrote an article about me, I think, in 99 or 2000 or somewhere back then. He got my name wrong. He called me, he called me Ron. <laughs> and the people at my tailgate party wouldn't let that go. I kind of fought it for a while, but every time some media would come around, they'd run up to the media right away and say, call him Pinto Ron, don't call him Ken. And, and, he, and the media would. <laughs> and uh, it, after, after five years, I finally gave up. Okay, I'm Ron. <laughs> Well, correct me if I'm wrong here. Uh, the origin of the ketchup mustard, you know, uh, you were simply asking for condiments for your, your hamburger, and you got squirted there. When did it start to become the extravaganza that, uh, you know, it's built up into these past couple of years? Uh, probably in the late 90s. Uh, the incident you're talking about happened in, like, 1990. Okay. And my brother actually shot it from 16 inches away and hit the burger perfectly. And for the first few years, it was all about, me holding my arm out to my side and have somebody try to ricochet it off the burger, getting the perfect amount of the burger. And then as 30 years of evolution go by, you know, we, we started, started to become heightened distance, which means I started getting a little bit on me, which was manageable. And then, uh, then it was more and more. And I finally had to develop a cleanup routine in about 2000 or 2001. And once I developed a cleanup routine, I suddenly realized it doesn't matter how much you get on me. You know, it takes exactly about the exactly the same amount of time to clean up. So, go have at it. So, I, I would say to answer your question, probably <laughs> about uh, 2001, 2002, it kind of turned into what you see today. How was it last year? Um, if I'm not mistaken, you kind of put a stop to it last year, uh, just out of respect for what's going on with COVID and how spreadable that disease has been. Um, any plans to return it here in the near future? Uh, I'm thinking about that right now. I'll, I'll, I'll decide during the off season. Uh, the, the hammer lot was definitely a different dynamic because we didn't have large crushing crowds coming in. And, uh, a lot of the people in the hammer lot were very appreciative of that. But, uh, that being said, you know, it's a very popular, uh, thing. <laughs> Yes. Yes, sir. I, I apologize that I could not make it this year. Uh, we flew in for the New England game, and uh, we just went right into the stadium. So my apologies. We didn't get to come by and enjoy the party. I, I almost don't blame you. It was a cold one that day. It sure was. Uh, Alex, any uh, remaining questions here for Ken? Uh, Ken, have you had any, or have you started to look at the draft at all, or any um, free agency? Anyone you'd like to see the Bills add this off season? Uh, some positions of need. Uh, I think a tight end, and I'm not talking about a starter. I'm talking about depth at tight end, uh, depth at linebacker. I'm always worried about. We only have the, the two big ones, uh, Milano and the, uh, 
but the, our backups are kind of marginal. So I'm looking at depth at, uh, at linebacker, depth at tight end. It's it's good you're at the point where you're talking about needing depth rather than needing starters. Uh, as far yeah, as the draft, it, it, I never really think about that until after free agency. Because, you know, people say, we need this, we need that. And suddenly free agency plugs all the holes and completely changes your mind about what you need in a draft. 100%. I, I always, at least I, as a Bills fan, you can never be growing up. I, I'm in my late 20s, so I've grown up. Uh, the Music City Miracle was when I was just a you mm. know a young pup. Um, you can, you, it, it, with the Bills when I was growing up, it was never enough. Uh, we always needed significantly more. So it was always choosing out your favorite, sort of like a draft crush, as it were. And now, because like you said, we're at the point we're adding depth rather than need. It is fun to pick out a couple of those guys where it's like, ooh, if the Bills get this guy, I'd love to have him. Yeah, position. You know, instead of taking a position of need, you take the best athlete available. You always hear people saying 100%. that they're doing that, but they're never really doing that until you get like in the position of the Bills. Bills superfan Ken Johnson, our guest on the Buffalo Bills Draft House podcast. Number of guys set to hit free agency this offseason. Uh, right now, unrestricted free agents include Mario Addison, Nick Bucker, Matt Breda, Vernon Butler, Jerry Hughes, Taiwan Jones, FAL Bada, Isaiah McKenzie, Saran Neal, Harrison Phillips, Emmanuel Sanders, Mitchell Trubisky, Levi Wallace, and Justin Zimmer. Of those names, who would you like the Bills to bring back? Wallace and Harrison are at the top of my list. Harrison has really come on good this year, uh, and he's a community leader. He's a he's a team leader. He'd be the number one guy I wanted to see come back. Sure. Uh, and Wallace, though, Wallace has been totally unrate, un- underrated for the last four or five years. Everyone writes him off every year. And he ends up starting and having a productive season. So uh, I'm watching Wallace uh, a lot because if we don't get him, uh, I'm going to have to call cornerback one of those positions of need that we talked about earlier. Hmm. Ken, if you what? is your favorite obviously the super bowls but what is your favorite game day memory so do you have like one specific game that you remember as just like this is one of this is if you had to choose my favorite memory yeah that would be the uh afc championship game uh in 1990 actually it was 91 january 91 uh where it put us in our first super bowl and it's my favorite game because we were winning something like 42 to 3 at halftime. So it's halftime. And you know you're going to the Super Bowl with an entire half of football. And back then they let you party hardy in the stadium. So <laughs> the entire second half was just running around just like a giant party. It was just a blast. I'll never forget that, that half of football. Ken, we want to thank you very much for taking time out to join our podcast with us and talking Buffalo Bills football. Yeah, not a problem kind of my off season. Lots of time. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> and that was Buffalo Bills superfan Ken Pintoron Johnson. We're going to take a brief pause on the other side. We'll get set to wrap up the Buffalo Bills Draft House Podcast postseason evaluation. A ranger station. I'd like to report a bear hug. Okay. I put out my campfire and Smokey Bear hugged me. So you drowned the fire, you stirred it, drowned it again, and felt that it was cold? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, but he's just letting you know you did good. Bear hug from Smokey Bear. Status update. I'm going to let you go now. There are many ways to start a fire, but one sure way to put it out. 
Learn how you can do your part at SmokeyBear.com. Sponsored by the U.S. Forest Service Ad Council and your state forester. This is the Buffalo Bills Draft House Podcast with Brad the Bruiser Icor and Alex Jones. And welcome back to the Buffalo Bills Draft House, po- Draft House Podcast. Brad the Bruiser Icorn, Alex Jones at St. Alex Jones at Bills Bruisers. At Buffalo Bills DH1. All right. Draft around the corner, free agency around the corner. What are some moves? What are some things you think maybe they wait and target in the draft here, Alex? Um, I think they're going to kick the, the bin to see if there's some bargain free agents. Maybe some people um, nobody's going after that they like. Um, but I think in, I think in the draft... You just go BPA. There are so many good players in this draft, and it's not a front-heavy draft. So uh, there's been quite a few front-heavy drafts. Uh, The Ed Oliver draft 2019 was a front-heavy draft. You wanted to be in the top 10 picks. This, This year, 12 through 64 are starting caliber players. There's no guys who you're like, these are first day, all pros. As soon as they get the field, they're going to be top five of their position. However, there are a ton of dudes where you're like, we can put him into our team and he can immediately make an impact. Maybe it's not a 2000 yard receiving season, but it's, he can score some long touchdowns for us. He can do this. So the bills are in a prime example you basically just sit, wait, see how the draft goes. If somebody they love is falling, jump on it. Maybe like a, a Sauce Gardner, if he is falling, oh my gosh, I would love the Bills to jump up and get him. Um, but you just kind of sit there and wait, see what's coming out. In the first round, I love uh, Roger McCreary out of Auburn, cornerback. I love um, Jameson Williams, Alabama wide receiver, although I don't know if he's getting to 2025. Would love him to be there, though. Um, I also love some of the offensive linemen. If you can get a couple of those interior guys, maybe even a guy like Trevor Penning out of University of Northern Iowa and bump Deion Dawkins down to guard. There are a lot of guys in this draft that I like, and it's, it's going to be one of those drafts where those top 64 picks make a real impact. All right, we have to talk about it. Rob Gronkowski, what do you think at the possibility of coming? I would think if he came in, it would be to replace Tommy Sweeney. Uh, Yeah, probably. I think probably Tommy Sweeney is still on the team in actuality. I think it's to replace a position that doesn't really exist. Right? The whole, like, I think it's, I think the Bills want to start running more 12 sets with one running back on the field, two tight ends. And Rob Gronkowski can still block decently. He can still play decently. He's he's He can do the things uh, that you need him to do. So I honestly think that I, I'm not like as opposed to it. Don't get me wrong. I think it was a very half-assed apology to Trey White. But if they're cool, then I'm cool. Right? Like, yeah. If they're cool, then I'm cool. I, I just, to me, it just is, it feels, I don't want to say it feels like the bad Bills years, but it feels a little bit. 
Like I understand Gronk was had 700 yards receiving last year, and that would be great. But also at the same time, um, it he, he also like he didn't play every game last year and was really hurt. And while we have Dawson Knox, it would be a great thing. I just don't know. Do you want to pay like seven million dollars to a guy who? It won't be playing 17 games for you. Like, honestly, do you want to pay him a lot of money to not play every game? Yep. And I, I feel a like greedy Bills fan here where I was like, I'll take him, but I would like it to be on the cheap if possible here. Uh, if they could get a deal for him, wonderful. Because this could be it down the stretch. So I don't see it happening. He's probably going to want to get paid. So. And that'll be something to keep our eye on. I I can see it happening. You know, he's from Buffalo. Uh, he's from Williamsville. That Williamsville. That's where my dad grew up. Um, so I I think it'd be cool and fitting if he came when he ended things in uh, in Buffalo. But we'll see. I I don't know if I'm wouldn't be shocked if it goes either way. If it does or does not happen. Yeah, and again, I mean, listen. Rob Gronkowski is a savvy vet who could teach Dawson Knox a lot of things. And I'm going to be hundred percent honest, like him being able to help him being able to help wouldn't be the worst thing, right? Like it wouldn't be the worst thing. And if he can be a productive member on limited snaps, because you already have Dawson Knox, who's a very good tight end where you could bring him in and save his body. I, I don't hate that either. Yeah. Nope. I agree with you. All right, any final thoughts here as we wrap up our postseason evaluation? Uh, The underwear Olympics are currently underway, and there's some really fast guys running. The wide receivers and quarterbacks uh, ran today. Desmond Riddler ran a 4-5, which is crazy. Um, I believe I I didn't get to – I haven't been able to find the official time or not, but it looks like – a wide receiver from Baylor is very close to breaking um, John Ross's record for fastest player at the combine. I mean, that means very little because John Ross has had played five seasons in the NFL and had like a total of 20 catches or something crazy like that. But it is still one of those things that's very cool to be the, the record holder of the 40 in the NFL combine. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Buffalo Bills Draft House podcast. Stay tuned to us. Uh, make sure you're checking our social media at Buffalo Bills DH1 on facebook.com uh, slash Buffalo Bills Draft House. And, of course, at St. Alex Jones at Bills Bruiser. Look forward to a lot of postseason coverage as we head into 2022 because we're going to kick off the 2022 season with free agency just around the corner. And before you know it, we'll be playing football. This has been the Buffalo Bills Draft House Podcast. Go Bills. This has been the Buffalo Bills Draft House Podcast, an R Street Media production.